The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Wednesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are spending part of your Wednesday evening with us. We are now officially two weeks away from the NFL League calendar. We're inside of two weeks till free agency can officially begin with the negotiation period on the 13th. The NFL scouting combine in full swing. Todd Golden beat Mike White on the basketball court for a second time last night. And the NBA. Most teams have about 20 games to go in the regular season. So we got a ton to do. We are certainly glad you are with us. Guest lineup looks like this. Coming up in about 20 minutes or so, Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. Now, Chris joins us periodically during the draft season, but I wanted Chris on especially since what happened last Friday. If you missed it, Chris was the first guy that at least I know of to do a mock draft, and he does a lot of mock drafts at CBSSports.com, but he was the guy that put Anthony Richardson number one to the Indianapolis Colts. And in fact, Chris Trapasso earlier today doubled down on that, did another mock draft for CBSSports.com, and again, had Indianapolis trading from four to one and taking Anthony Richardson. I think that's interesting. And I want to talk to Chris Trapasso about that, about why NFL draft folks feel one way about Anthony Richardson, whereas college football people feel a different way about Anthony Richardson. And we'll actually do more on Anthony Richardson in just a moment. But Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com, one of their main NFL draft guys, he's going to join us in 20 minutes. Coming up in about 40 minutes, Hayes Carline of the Frangie Show. They've been up in Indianapolis the last couple of days. We'll talk to Hayes Carline. We'll also talk to Lauren Brooks of the Frangie Show as she is up in Indianapolis as well. And then coming up at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour, we'll go out to Houston, Texas. My friend RJ Saunders, formerly of 1010XL, now with 97.5 FM Sports Radio out in Houston. We'll talk a little Texans football. What are they going to do with the number two pick? Could they potentially trade up to number one? Is Bryce Young their guy? But also, we're going to talk a great deal about the NBA with R.J. Saunders. 20 games remaining for most teams. In fact, I'm about to watch my beloved Orlando Magic, who are playing better, but unfortunately, they draw the assignment tonight of playing the Greek Freak and the Milwaukee Bucks, who come in on a 15 That's 15-game winning streak. So we will see what happens. But as you can tell, we got a lot to do. We're with you till 10 o'clock. And again, Jacksonville, thank you for spending your Wednesday evening with us. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we do kick it off with a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. Okay, so we are officially 12 days away from free agency. But my wolfs and math will tell me that is eight Hacker After Darks we are away from NFL free agency beginning. 
There are over 10 unrestricted free agents for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to spend a lot of time next week, particularly on Arden Key, on Jawan Taylor, and on Evan Ingram. So we're going to save them for last. But there are a lot of other guys that you may not realize are free agents. Or you may realize it, but you don't think it's a big deal the Jaguars re-sign them. Well, we're going to point out two coming up here in just a moment. I also wanted to mention this regarding the Jaguars. It appears, by all indications, and by all indications, I mean people you talk to, things you see, reports out there, and just a common feeling around town, that the Jaguars aren't going to do an awful lot in free agency. The Jaguars' main objective this year is to re-sign Evan Ingram, potentially re-sign Arden Key and Jawan Taylor, kind of take care of their own, right? Keep their own guys in-house. And I like that philosophy. Look, the Jaguars were flawless in free agency a year ago. Flawless. They went eight for eight. It's almost impossible to do that, but they did. If you were going just solely on a pass-fail grading system, that's it. I don't need A's and B's and C's and D's and F's. I just need two columns, pass or fail. Christian Kirk, pass. Zay Jones, pass. Brandon Scherf, pass. Evan Ingram, pass. Defensively, Foley Fadakasi, pass. Foyer Lewican, pass. Darius Williams, started out a little interesting, but I'd still say pass. And then Arden Key was a pass. Balky went eight for eight. And when you go eight for eight in free agency one year and you spend all that money, odds are you're not going to do that again. Odds are you cannot do that again. So the Jaguars, A, don't have the money they did last year, don't have the resources. But that aside, it's time to start building what you have already built here, building on top of it, building on top of that foundation keeping your own guys in-house. That's why, to me, it's vital you bring back Evan Ingram. It's vital you bring back Arden Key. I think it's important you bring back Jawan Taylor. However, I think he's probably the third of those three. And the fact that you do have Walker Little, the fact that you do have Cam Robinson returning, I would understand it. I wouldn't like it, but I would understand it if Jawan Taylor left in free agency. But getting back to the point, the Jaguars are not going to add a lot of outside pieces. They're going to draft nine players in the draft. Hopefully, your first rounder, your second rounder, maybe your third rounder can contribute this year. I don't think you're asking much more than that. I'm not sure if you're asking for your fourth rounder, your three sixth rounders, or your seventh rounders to do anything. You might add a veteran or two, a second-tier or third-tier free agent, but odds are most people that you bring in are going to be just that. Veterans looking for a place to come in and play half the snaps. You're not going to add pro bowlers in free agency. Now, it depends how you want to count Calvin Ridley. He's not technically a free agent, but he is going to be a newcomer to the team. He will be the biggest addition from outside the organization from last year. The Jaguars were 4-8 and eight last year before they went on that six-game winning streak. 
that six-game winning streak, including wins at Tennessee, home against the Dallas Cowboys, at the New York Jets, at the Houston Texans, home against the Tennessee Titans, and then the third biggest comeback in playoff history when they beat Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Take nothing away from what the Jaguars did those last six games. Those were six games against five NFL teams because you played Tennessee twice. Jacksonville won them all and won some of them in dominating fashion. But if you're not going to add anybody and you're going to rest on your laurels of what you did last year, you were 4-8 and eight with this roster. You then play Tennessee, and that was a good win in Nashville. You beat the crap out of them. That was a good win. And then you come home and another good win against Dallas. At New York, they did not have a functional NFL quarterback. At Houston, they don't have a functional NFL quarterback. You played Tennessee in the AFC South Championship game who had a quarterback that played that was on their roster for 12 days. And you did beat Justin Herbert, who did have labrum surgery on his shoulder a week or two after that loss. I'm just simply saying that I like what the Jaguars are doing. You cannot spend millions and millions and millions of dollars every year. It's not feasible. But I was talking to a couple of guys today that said, you know what, we're going to run the division. We're going to run the schedule next year. I hope you're right. I'm going to pick Jacksonville to win the AFC South. I'm not breaking any news there. The AFC South is going to be awful. But just keep this in the back of your mind, man. That schedule next year is brutal. Just brutal. San Francisco, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, New Orleans, Tampa. Good grief. It is a tough, tough schedule. And you're going to bring back a majority of your guys that, yeah, at one point were 4-8 and eight last year before they figured out what they were doing. Hopefully that momentum from the end of the year can carry over. I believe it will. I'm just pointing out that it's kind of a scary thing when you're not going to bring anybody in. There is going to be no Christian Kirk on first day of free agency this year. You're not going to refresh Twitter and $50 million is going to this guy and $45 million is going to that guy and so on and so forth. You hope you refresh Twitter and you find Evan Ingram and Arden Key get re-signed. That's your goal for free agency. Should your goal be Marvin Jones and Dewan Smoot? Those two guys are scheduled to become unrestricted free agents in 12 days. Marvin Jones? Love what he's given you in two years here in Jacksonville. Let's be honest. I was guilty of this as well. When Marvin Jones came here to Jacksonville, everybody wanted the other Detroit wide receiver. Everybody wanted Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones comes here, signs a two-year deal, and in two years caught 119 passes for 1,361 yards and seven touchdowns. Absolutely outstanding. Well, you compare that to what Kenny Galladay did in New York. He was awful. Just awful. And he's about to get released in two weeks. 
but it's a numbers game at the wide receiver position. With Calvin Ridley coming on board, with Christian Kirk here, with Zay Jones here, potentially Jamal Agnew returning, I think at this point it would be unlikely if Marvin Jones were back, particularly also at his age, being 32, 33 years old. Dewan Smoot, keep in mind, coming off an Achilles, he tore that Achilles on December 22nd up in New York. We're two and a half months into his recovery. It's really a shame for Smoot. He would have gotten a lot of money in the offseason. Does he come back on a one-year team-friendly deal to rehab that injury, potentially give you something second half of the season, and then hopefully cash in at the end of next year? I, it, to me, that's worth doing. If I can get Dewan Smoot back on a deal like that, I bring him back, I let him rehab, and hopefully by October or November, you start getting some production out of him. We'll see. But again, it's not just Arden Key. It's not just Evan Ingram. It's not just Jawan Taylor. There's still 11 guys that are scheduled to become unrestricted free agents. And again, two of them are Marvin Jones and Dewan Smoot. 641-1010 is the phone number on the phone line and on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. You are more than welcome to get involved, Jacksonville, if you would like to. Coming up next, Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. Let's talk a little Jaguars. Let's talk combine, but mainly I want to talk Anthony Richardson. Chris Trapasso has done two mock drafts on CBSSports.com, including one that was released earlier today that has Anthony Richardson from Florida going number one in the draft to the Indianapolis Colts. Trapasso's not conjuring that out of thin air. He's getting that from somewhere. Is it a smokescreen? Is it rumors? You be the judge. I'll ask him where he got it next. Hacker After Dark on a Wednesday here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The NFL scouting combine going on this week up in Indianapolis. There are over 300 prospects up there. Of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars are up there. You heard interviews yesterday with Doug Peterson and Trent Balky. Another guy that's up there is Florida Gator quarterback Anthony Richardson. And boy, he's getting an awful lot of attention. Let's talk about everything going on with the scouting combine with our guy Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. He's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ryan. Thanks for having me again. Hey, Chris, always appreciate the time, particularly this week, man. I know you're you're very busy. And and look, last week in these parts, you made some noise. A lot of mock drafts are coming out every day but you kind of threw it out there that you had Indianapolis trading up to number one, the number one pick in the draft to take Gator quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, certainly an eye-opener. Chris, what was your thought in doing that in your latest mock? Yeah, so let me clarify. This was not any inside information that I've talked to Jim Irsay and he told me that they're going to trade up to pick Anthony Richardson. The thought process behind it is as follows, that Anthony Richardson is going to test – the most impressively of any of the quarterbacks here at the combine. I think he's going to have, especially relative to his size, one of the best combine workouts that we've seen at the quarterback position. So in this day and age, 
at the quarterback position, the franchise guys that have emerged, that are the young quarterbacks, like a Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, they're big, they can run, they're great improvisationally, and they have huge arms. Now, Anthony Richardson is nowhere near as poised or as advanced as Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, who's kind of been the the chalk pick to be the number one overall pick. But he is significantly more athletic, more explosive as a runner, and has a much stronger arm. Then you add in the fact, and I made this change when the Indianapolis Colts hired former Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. And if you watch the Eagles this year or just watch the Super Bowl with the Eagles, they love the designed run game. And I think he's going to want to bring that to Indianapolis. You get that with Anthony Richardson. With Bryce Young, you get the ability to you know make pass rushers miss inside the pocket, things like that. You're not going to get a lot of designed run game from him at around 5'11 and maybe 190, 200 pounds. So there's certainly some risk with Anthony Richardson involved, but I think teams more so over the last five to seven years are willing to roll the dice at the quarterback position on a quarterback that has big-time traits, big-time arm talent, athleticism, all those things that, again, we're seeing out of these young quarterbacks, especially the one there in Jacksonville. So that's really the thought process behind it, and I think – It seemed crazy at the time to a lot of people. I've gotten a lot of questions about that this week. But I think after the the quarterbacks work out here in a few days in Indianapolis, it won't seem as crazy that Anthony Richardson will go a lot higher than maybe being a late or a mid first-round pick. Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. Chris, I loved it because it was something different, right? I mean, you look at five mock drafts a day. I mean, heck, you guys at CBS Sports seemingly put out five mock drafts a day. (laughs) And they're all kind of similar. Yours was different. Yours was fresh. It was an interesting take, and I certainly appreciated that from you. You're a guy that's done this for a long time. I've had you on my show for years, and I'm curious because, Chris, there seems to be a disconnect with guys in college football, media, maybe even some college football coaches, and the NFL draft guys, yourself included, about Anthony Richardson. Some of the college guys say inconsistency and experience – not sure if he's a first-rounder. The NFL draft guys, such as yourself, are saying, no doubt first-rounder. In your case, you had him going number one. Why do you think there is such a disconnect when it comes to Anthony Richardson? My best guess, and it seems to be the case, is that the college football media is watching the on-field results of a, a quarterback like Anthony Richardson at the collegiate level. He, you know, His career completion percentage was only 53%. Florida was certainly better this past season, but he didn't take a gigantic step forward from when we saw him in that spot starter role with Emory Jones earlier in his career. So it certainly makes sense that anyone that simply covers college football to say, hey, look, like I watch this guy play, doesn't really have it yet. But a lot of what you just described, the main criticisms for, for Richardson were there with Josh Allen, they were there with Justin Herbert, which is funny looking back. I mean, back in that 2020 draft, he was a top 10 pick ultimately right after Tua Tungabailoa to the Dolphins. That entire draft process, I don't think anyone thought he would fall out of the first round, but the even NFL draft media and I think the NFL as a whole, they were lukewarm on Justin Herbert because of that final season at Oregon wasn't super consistent. He missed a lot of throws. There was some concerns about uh, his character. Was he a leader? And certainly the Chargers have, I think, a very – 
bright future with Justin Herbert at the quarterback position. So after Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in 2017 and 2018, two quarterbacks that kind of fit that mold that were not perfect, but had those big time traits that have really been accentuated in Kansas city and in Buffalo. We certainly saw it with Trevor Lawrence this past season in Jacksonville. Again, that's what I think teams are aiming for because those quarterbacks are the high watermark. If you can't beat those quarterbacks, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. The frustrating thing for Gator fans, again, Chris Trapasso here with us, CBSSports.com, is you saw what he looked like, Anthony Richardson, against Tennessee, right? They lost that game, but he was nothing short of dynamic in that game. Utah, too. Utah, too, absolutely. But then they saw the Missouri game, right? And they saw mm-hmm. the South Florida game. And that that was always an issue with Gator fans. It's like, why does he look like Superman? And then seven days later... He looks like a guy that shouldn't be on scholarship. And obviously he needs to work that out at the pro level, but it is baffling why he looks so different from week to week here in Gainesville. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it was a kind of a roller coaster ride to watch his film. I certainly kind of followed it um, throughout the season. What's funny is last year after they played USF and he had a, a, that long touchdown run where I think he hurt his hamstring, he had a couple great throws in that game. I was so impressed by his traits again that I wrote an article two years ago now saying that this guy has the physical traits and the athleticism to maybe be the number one overall pick. And it, it's, it is kind of baffling how he could go from such a high watermark to, you know, playing where he doesn't look like he should even be the starter. But again, if, if you go back, you can watch Josh Allen at Wyoming, even Patrick Mahomes at Texas tech had a couple multiple interception games at Texas tech where he, was making bad decisions with the football, was not accurate. Justin Herbert again in that last season. I think those three quarterbacks, if you're looking at relative youth in their mid-20s for Justin Herbert, early 20s, um, and guys that were not the perfect prospects, but not only have they improved their mechanics, things like that at the next level, the teams around them, the offensive line, the skill position, the scheme, you need to have that. We all know that situation really matters in today's NFL. And if you're a GM and you're saying, look, I want to aim for these big-time traits and I trust myself to build a good offensive line, to add quality receivers, a good tight end, a smart offensive coordinator, you can get the most out of those quarterbacks early in their career, um, even if they aren't the perfect, you know, very advanced quarterbacks instantly once they're in the NFL. Chris, as we begin to wrap up, it's interesting here in Jacksonville in the AFC South because you got Houston – and Indianapolis, both in the top five, both with brand-new head coaches, both are projected to take quarterbacks, whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's C.J. Stroud, or even an Anthony Richardson. How would you assess Young and Stroud? Because there's, again, a better chance than not that one or both will be in the AFC South in the next two months. All right, I have C.J. Stroud slightly actually ahead of Bryce Young as my number one quarterback right now. And usually... After the combine, I don't change anything with my quarterback rankings because in most cases, the athleticism of these quarterbacks, we don't really get to see a lot of it in Indy, but it, I'm pretty sure C.J. Stroud, I know he's throwing. I'm, there's word that he's going to actually work out. If C.J. Stroud like tests like a, a, a low-level athlete, which at times he can look like that at Ohio State, I might move him down a little bit. But in terms of we're just talking about kind of the the – raw quarterback that needs development, I think Stroud's on the other end of the spectrum, that he doesn't give you extremely high upside like Anthony Richardson or even Will Levis from Kentucky, 
but I think he's NFL ready right now. I think we saw in that college football playoff semifinal game against Georgia that he can create a little bit outside of structure. I think he's got a slightly better arm than Bryce Young. He's not going to create inside the pocket moving away from pass rushers as well. Um, But that's why he's my number one quarterback. And then Bryce Young, I mean, it's easy to fall in love with him as a player on film because he's poised well beyond his years. Uh, It it seemed like from the get-go at Alabama, he was rarely phased by 300-pound rushers in his face, could make anticipatory throws in those situations. But what I would say is kind of an overarching theme here In the first round of the draft, and I think the Jaguars are a prime example of this with Trevon Walker last year, a lot of what we see in the first round of the draft is based on traits that teams believe in their ability to develop players, their ability to put other good players around their their youngsters that they're bringing in. And Bryce Young just, to me, does not have those elite traits that you would normally want to tick all those boxes if you're picking him number one overall. That's not to say that I think he's going to be a bad quarterback. I think he's very pro-ready and will be good instantly. I just wonder how much upside does he have. And certainly Jaguars fans know the term upside with Trevor Lawrence, with Trevon Walker, um, that that's kind of been a theme for the uh, Jaguars back-to-back number one overall picks. I just don't know if Bryce Young has that traditional number one overall pick upside. Not quite as explosive as Kyler Murray, doesn't have a huge arm. It's really all about his accuracy, decision-making, and just his, again, poise well beyond his years to enter the NFL. Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. Chris, leave us with this. In years past, it was easy for you and me to talk about the Jaguars in round one. That's when you have the number one overall pick. Not a lot of rocket (laughs) science there. Now the Jaguars (laughs) are picking, what, 24th, I believe it is, uh, Mm -hmm. because the Dolphins had to forfeit their pick. Uh, what are you thinking? I mean, defensive back, interior D-line, tight end. We've kind of seen it all over the board and all these mocks. What are you hearing about Jacksonville in round number one? Yeah, mostly on the defensive side because with the way that after that uh, Broncos game in London, how the entire team and, and chief among them, Trevor Lawrence, kind of changed things and turned it around and were a really fun team after that. Offensively, they're probably going to get Kelvin Ridley back from suspension. So they have a nice veteran um, wide receiver group. It it seems like it'll be something on the defensive side, but I I don't think offensive tackle should be out of the equation. Now, it certainly matters. Again, Jaguars fans of late are not used to this, but it matters, obviously, who's available. But I I do think Darnell Wright from Tennessee would make a lot of sense with Juwan Taylor as a free agent, the right tackle there. Um, Jalen Duncan is another name that I think Jaguars fans should familiarize themselves with from Maryland, very athletic, um, needs to get a little stronger, but has like all pro upside at the offensive tackle spot. I think Doug Peterson with his time in Philadelphia um, certainly knows the importance of having a sturdy offensive line in front of your good quarterback in your very quarterback friendly scheme. So that's the one position that how I view it. And just from talking to a few people here in Indy, they say it's probably going to be, D-back or defensive line, those are kind of the safer selections, but it wouldn't shock anyone if they actually love one of the offensive tackles and pick that player to just add some youth to that position with Walker Little and just because the biggest priority is protecting Trevor Lawrence. Chris, give yourself a little bit of love, man. Tell the folks here in Jacksonville what they can expect over at CBSSports.com. What are you working on over the next couple of days? Yeah, so when the workouts begin tomorrow uh, with defensive linemen and edge rushers on the field, 
I'm going to be part of a live blog at CBSSports.com. You can just go to CBSSports.com. It'll be the main article up there reacting in real time to what we're seeing on the field, certainly the times in the 40, the vertical, the broad jump as they come in to give um, analysis of everything that's happening here in Indy all weekend. Oh, that's fantastic. Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. Check out that live blog beginning tomorrow once the on-the-field workouts commence. Chris, know you're busy. Can't thank you enough for taking time out. We'll talk again soon, my friend. All right, Ryan. Thanks a lot. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. 20 minutes before the 9 o'clock hour on a Wednesday evening in Jacksonville, Florida. It is Hacker After Dark. As always, you can catch us streaming on YouTube and Twitter. Just go to 1010XL on YouTube or at 1010XL on Twitter, and you'll see Hacker After Dark streaming live there until 10 o'clock every evening if you want to watch from the comfort of your own home. Up in Indianapolis, the scouting combine ongoing. The the on-the-field work actually begins tomorrow, and there has been a ton of news surrounding the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hayes Carline is one of our guys here on 1010XL that covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. You get him every afternoon on the Frangie Show. We're going to go up to Indianapolis and talk to him. It's brought to you by our friends at Superior Fence and Rail. Here's Hayes Carline up in Indianapolis. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The NFL Scouting Combine going on up in Indianapolis. That's where you find our Hayes Carline. You get him every afternoon on the Frangie Show, and he's always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark. Hayes, how we doing, man? I am doing great, Hacker. How are you? Hayes, we're good. Thank you for the time. And all right, you and I haven't talked in a couple of weeks and really in the last seven days. Well, the Jaguars have done an awful lot, including restructuring, what, four or five deals to apparently find about $35 million in salary cap relief for 2023. What's been your your thought on what the Jaguars have accomplished here as of late? Yeah, I mean, they did exactly what they needed to do, and thankfully they have a great owner in Shad Khan who's got the money and is willing to spend it because uh, not every club is. And, you know, it, it, it starts there. Uh, you got to be willing to write some big checks uh, to move the, the, the cap around. And, uh, and Trent Balky got uh, certainly uh, permission from Shad Khan to do just that. And so uh, it starts there. It's uh, again, it's a sign of good ownership and it's enabled the Jaguars to enter into a season in which I, I don't think it's out of the realm of, uh, of possibility to say that this is their maybe their best chance to win a Super Bowl uh, with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. And, and again, that's not to say that Trevor is going to be at his peak in 2023. He isn't. He's not going to hit the prime of his career uh, until 26, 27, 28 and beyond. But the reason I say that is they now are going to be able to have what is virtually impossible in today's day and age. And that's that they're going to have a roster that goes about 24 deep in terms of guys that you can really count on, because obviously they're restructuring to make a run at bringing Ingram and Taylor and Key back. And when you've got a roster that includes Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Aluakon, Ridley, Tyson Campbell, Josh Allen, ETN, Ingram, Cam Robinson, Sheriff, Zay Jones, Trayvon Walker, Fortner, Key, Lloyd, Robertson Harris, Rayshon Jenkins, 
Cook, Agnew, Cisco, Hamilton, Fadakasi, Darius Williams, Walker Little. You just you don't have that. I mean, those not all those guys are stars, but they're all competent. They're all good, solid players in this league. And obviously, some of these guys have the potential to become superstars. So, from a from a roster standpoint, I don't know that the roster will be at any point as good as it's going to be in 2023. Because beyond that, you're probably going to be dealing with a, a mega Trevor Lawrence contract, and and having a team like this is going to be an impossibility. Yeah, we're about a year away from Trevor Lawrence. That's why I'm telling Jaguar fans take a good look at what happens in Cincinnati and really what happens in LA with Burrow and Herbert, because you're going to be living that life a year from now with Trevor and his contract situation. Hayes Carline here with us. Hayes, Roy Robertson, Harris. Uh, three years, $30 million to stay. I think it's a great move. My question to you is this. Are we going to get the Roy Robertson, Harris of September and October, or are we going to get the Roy Robertson, Harris of December and January? Where do you think he is as a player after this extension? I think you're going to get the one that we saw late in the season. You know, I, I think sometimes it takes free agents a little bit of time uh, to hit their stride with a new club. And so uh, I, you know, I gave all the free agents a pass for, you know, year one with Urban Meyer. And I think with Robertson Harris, you really started to see his play improve. And he's, <laughs> he is a big guy. I mean, he is one of the most physically intimidating players that the Jaguars have, and and he's still a pretty young player. He should have his best football ahead of him. So I I don't think that he's going to be a superstar, but in terms of being a, a good quality player that the Jaguars can count on, yeah, I, I think it made a lot of sense to extend him and, uh, and carry on that relationship. And I think they're going to be well rewarded for it. And the other thing, too, is I think it, it's a pretty good indicator that they're going to stick with Trayvon Walker at outside linebacker and I'm intrigued to see what he can be in his second year when he's had an off season to focus on his craft and not worry about the draft process. Hayes we're what six days away from the franchise tag deadline Tuesday March 7th. Do you believe as it stands right now they will get a deal done with Evan Ingram or will they have to tag him next Tuesday? I think they'll get a deal done with Ingram and uh, you know I I I I'm not sure on Jawan Taylor. I'm not sure on Arden Key. But I think probably they get a deal done with Ingram and then don't use the tag. And that was my next question. $18 million too much to tag Jawan Taylor? I think it's going to be, particularly when you have an in-house option. So I think they're going to look at it and say, well, you know, you'd love to to have him. If if you go into an NFL offseason and your biggest losses are Jawan Taylor and Marvin Jones and – Dan Arnold, uh, you, you've had a pretty good offseason. And, and I, I do think they're going to keep two of the three. So, um, I, you know, I, I do think there's a, still a chance they could get a deal done with Art Key. Uh, you know, so I don't think they're going to only bring back one of those guys. They've certainly cleared enough space that even if they only bring back one of those three, then they could still be a little more active in the, in the higher-end element of free agency than what I'm expecting currently, which is for them to basically be dead quiet. Uh, but again, like we talked about, when when you can name 24 guys on your roster that you feel pretty good about today, you know you don't really need to you know go and and overspend for something in free agency and compete with 31 other clubs. You can rely on Calvin Ridley coming in in your draft class to give you the boost that you need to 
take it to an even higher level after making the divisional round this past season. Hey, as you're good with numbers like this, and not to get too much into the minutia of it, but when people see yesterday with Kirk, Zay Jones, and Brandon Scherf that the Jaguars cleared $26 million of cap room for 2023, well, that money's got to go somewhere. So what did the Jaguars do maybe long-term to salvage the 23 cap? Yeah, I'll give you a, a, the Aluacon example because that's one that uh, SpotRack.com has. And, and again, they're a fantastic resource if you're ever interested in looking at any sort of contract. Uh, so uh, Aluacon saved the club about $10 million in cap space uh, by agreeing to a restructure, which again, he gets handed a nice check for that. So the, the player can't approve it, but none of the players ever mind they're getting handed a lot of money now they're not having to wait on it to come in but what it basically did is Aluacon's contract as it stands now ends in 2024 so in 2025 he has a 7.7 million dollar cap hit on the 25 uh, salary cap number now the cap's going to go up a ton next year and it'll go up again in 25 so 7.7 million really isn't that big of a charge now it's going to be even less in two years and 26 and 27 it's a 2.6 million dollar charge for this restructure that's microscopic i mean that's 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 almost something you don't even miss so that's what it's basically going to be in 25 26 and 27 the zay jones uh the sheriff christian kirk aluacon they will still have cap money even if they're no longer here and, and hopefully they will be um, even, but if they're no longer here, they will still carry a little bit of a cap charge uh, in their absence. But again, it's not going to be anything that's overwhelmingly stifling. And they can always push this back even further. You know, if, if let's just take Aluacon. If Aluacon has a huge 23, huge 24, he gets an extension, that money just gets kicked down the line even more. So uh, it, there's, there's very low risk in doing this. Pretty much every club does it to some level. But the key is you have to have an owner that's willing to hand out many millions of dollars uh, in, a, in a period of the year where they're not normally having to do that. And luckily, Shad Khan has is, is always been committed to winning. 1010XL's Hayes Carline. Hayes, as we begin to wrap up, uh, you, you're up in Indianapolis for the Combine. I want to end with Anthony Richardson before we get there. Look, you're picking 24th, right? It's kind of hard to predict what the Jaguars are going to do. But what do you think? Prior to free agency, we don't know how that's going to play out. But as it stands right now, biggest holes on the roster. We see a lot of corner, a lot of tight end, a lot of interior defensive linemen in these mocks. Would you agree with that, of course, depending on what happens with Evan Ingram? I would agree with it. I think that today it was defensive linemen, linebackers, and I think uh, there's a good chance that, that I saw the, the pick today. Uh, because between Nolan Smith uh, and some of the other guys uh, that were here today, uh, I think it could absolutely be a defensive end outside linebacker presence at 24. They've got to continue to address the pass rush until they figure it out. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that's the direction that I think they'll go. I think at corner, that's a need, but I think it's more of a second, third round need. Uh, I'd like to see a receiver at some point. Uh, I, interior defensive line would be great. I don't think there's going to be much value there at 24 at that. Um, so I don't anticipate, but if a player fell the right player, then certainly that would make a lot of sense. But for me, 
I think right now I would say I'm I'm thinking that's going to be an edge rusher at 24 for the Jaguars. It's funny you mentioned Nolan Smith. I love everything about that kid. Everything. Yeah. I just if he ends up being a Jacksonville Jaguar, people say, "Where are you going to play him?" I don't care. I mean, take the best available player. I I just his game, his attitude, his demeanor. I would be thrilled if Nolan Smith ended up being a Jacksonville Jaguar. Hayes, leave us with this. No, you got to go. No, you're busy. Anthony Richardson doesn't hit the field until Saturday. I believe he arrived in Indy this morning. What's the buzz up there about Anthony Richardson coming into this week? He's the most polarizing prospect I think that we've seen in a number of years, Hacker, because there's no in-between. It's either either he's going to be terrible and he'll be out of the league in two years, or it's he's going to be an all-pro. Uh, the environment is going to be so critical for Anthony Richardson. Uh, and the demands of him early, you know, it, it's, is he allowed to incubate uh, and learn the game and acclimate and continue to grow uh, without having to play? Uh, will he be in that environment or will, will he be a week one starter somewhere? Cause I, I just think that's got the potential to really go sideways quick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, there, no one thinks, well, maybe he'll play six or seven years and have a have some ups and have some downs. And he'll be out of the league. It's all or nothing. It's either going to be uh, a walk-off grand slam or it's going to be, you know, striking out with the bases loaded when it comes to Anthony Richardson. That's, that's, the, uh, that's, that's the two sides here, and they're very split. You get Hayes Carlon every afternoon on the Frangie Show, and he's always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark. Hayes, enjoy yourself up in Indianapolis. Safe travels home later this week, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Hacker. Take care. Hacker's my radio name. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Yeah, that was a good one earlier today. So my man's doing karate, my three-year-old, and today their exercise was, can you say mommy and daddy's uh, real name? So the instructor asked little hack, he said, uh, what's your daddy's real name? And he goes, daddy. And he, no, that's not his name. What's his name? He goes, Ryan the Hacker Green. Hacker's my radio name. And the instructor goes, Ryan the Hacker Green, obviously not a big 1010XL listener, Denmark. I'll have to get on him on that. And he's like, I don't think that's your dad's real name. And I was like, oh, he's right. And Hacker's my radio name. So uh, there you have it. Karate's actually awesome, man. We took him to soccer. We took him to swimming. We've done all sorts of things with him. I think we've settled on karate. He's pretty bought into karate over there in the Mandarin area. And if you are in the Mandarin area, I trust you know what I'm talking about because I think every kid in Mandarin was at that karate dojo earlier this afternoon. He hasn't tried to hurt you yet, has he? No, we, you know, not not intentionally, but he's been giving me a lot of hi-ya, you know, like the chops and whatnot. Yeah, one in the wrong spot, and uh, you might, might not be able to work. No, I mean, we're night. not talking Nature Boy Ric Flair chops. I mean, they're not that strong yet, but he's, he's getting there. He's a powerful little dude for three years old. There is no question about that all right the scouting combine in indianapolis on the field work actually does get underway tomorrow with the defensive linemen and the outside edge rushers so today they met the media almost all of them met the media except for jalen carter what an interesting story georgia defensive star jalen carter one of the top prospects in next month's nfl draft This story from ESPN.com has been charged with reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed a teammate 
and a recruiting staff member. The athens Clark County Police Department has issued an arrest warrant obtained Wednesday by the AP, which alleges Carter was racing his 2021 Jeep Trackhawk. It's a Jeep Trackhawk. That sounds expensive. Against it was a 2021 car. So uh, well, I right. would imagine. Yeah, I just don't know what a Jeep. I know what a Jeep. Uh, like I know like the Grand Cherokee back in the day. I'm not exactly sure what a Trackhawk is. Against the 2021 Ford Expedition, driven by the recruiting staffer, 24-year-old Chandler Lacroix, which led to the January 15th wreck. Translation: Jalen Carter's in some trouble. Now he released a statement that says he will be vindicated of any wrongdoing. Let the legal process play out. No question, innocent until proven guilty in this country. Unfortunately, it seems to be the other way around, and it's not supposed to be. But, you know, terrible timing for Jalen Carter in the middle of the scouting combine for this to happen. And uh, just a tragic situation there in Athens with that wreck back on January 15th. So we'll let the legal process play out. But Jalen Carter obviously leaving the combine and heading back to Athens where there is an arrest warrant that's issued Two misdemeanor counts, that might be important here, two misdemeanor counts are what he is being charged with. Other things coming out from the scouting combine, I'm not sure the advice that Daniel Jones is getting from his representatives, but it's not good advice. Uh, There is reports out that he wants in excess of $40 million a year. That's not happening. And in fact, there is word seeping out from New York that the Giants are not even close to what Daniel Jones and his reps are asking for, which makes an interesting question for New York. Daniel Jones is an unrestricted free agent. He is scheduled to hit the market on Monday, March the 13th. Are the Giants going to be put in a corner here where they have to franchise Daniel Jones Could they go a different route in free agency, i.e. Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, or will they pony up and pay Daniel Jones? What are you going to do? Well, you don't have that long to figure it out. You got six days before you got to place the franchise tag on somebody on Tuesday, March 7th, and you got, what, 12 days until free agency begins. So the Giants and Daniel Jones reportedly very far apart. Lamar Jackson, same issue. Right Now, no one expects Lamar Jackson to hit the market on Monday, March 13th. He will get tagged at some point over the next six days. The question is, will Lamar Jackson ever play a game again in a Baltimore Raven uniform? John Harbaugh today at the Combine said he envisions moving forward with Lamar. Lamar's his guy. Well, what else are you going to say? But apparently those contract talks haven't gone very far either. So Baltimore and the New York Giants, real questions. 12 days out from free agency regarding both Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson as opposed to what they are going to do. Aaron Rodgers out of his darkness retreat. You know, I actually thought Denmark that was kind of a joke, right? I didn't really think he was going to go into – a cave of darkness. Four days. Did you see the photos of that thing? No, I did not. I'm about to look it up. Like 300 square feet. I mean, it was it was a cave, basically. Um, he said he did a lot of thinking, a lot of self-reflection. What is he going to do? Well, he's got to figure it out pretty quick. 
because he owes that to the Green Bay Packers and he owes that to teams in free agency that are looking for a quarterback. This is not a process that is going to be drawn out. This is going to be something that Aaron Rodgers has to figure out pretty quick here. Will he return to Green Bay? Is it Jordan Love time in Green Bay? Remember Jordan Love, the first-round pick of the Green Bay Packers a couple of years ago, who has not so much as sniffed the field because of Aaron Rodgers? Is it finally going to be time for Jordan Love? And depending on where Aaron Rodgers goes, there's rumors about Las Vegas, right? There's rumors about the New York Jets. That would only add to the absolute insane disparity, the insane disparity between quarterbacks in the AFC and quarterbacks in the NFC. Quick, who are the top three quarterbacks in the NFC? Well, you would probably go in any particular order. You got Dak Prescott, who you would probably put on the list. Jalen Hurts would be number one. Dak would be either two or three. And then what? Kirk Cousins? Um, Jared Goff? No. Justin Fields? No. Matt Stafford didn't look very good at all last year. Geno Smith? There's not a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFC. You go to the AFC side, imagine if Aaron Rodgers comes over there to either the Raiders or the Jets to go along with Patrick Mahomes, with Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. Good grief. Not even to count a guy like Russell Wilson, who will be in the Hall of Fame one day, even though he struggled last year in Denver. Boy, in the NFC... You know, you have a window right now where the quarterback play there is just not on the caliber that it is in the AFC. And if you don't have a quarterback in the AFC, man, you're cooked. You're done. Imagine being in a position where you don't have that franchise guy. Not a good situation to be in. You look at the Jaguars, right? I saw a list today ranking all 32 teams as far as their quarterback rooms going into free agency. There was a locked and loaded category, and only six teams were in the locked and loaded category. One of them was Jacksonville. They were there with Cincinnati. They were there with Kansas City. They were there, obviously, with Buffalo, and they were there with the Chargers. The thought around the league is that Trevor Lawrence and this team, quote, locked and loaded heading into 2023. Which brings me back to our number one. I think Jacksonville is going to be very good. The schedule does concern me. Once people stop worrying about the combine and about free agency, and you go ahead and you sit down and you look at that schedule, and you see the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, the Saints, the Buccaneers, it's a tough schedule. Jacksonville is going to have to clean up in their division. Minimum, minimum four and two, more than likely five and one or even six and oh to get to the promised land and have a high seed in the playoffs because that out of division schedule is brutal. But they're going to be doing it with basically the same team they had last year, the same team that was four and eight at Thanksgiving before they got hot. We'll see if that momentum in December and January carries over into the 2023 season. Lauren Brooks of the Frangie Show. She's up in Indianapolis.
for the Combine. We'll catch up with her in a matter of moments. Also, RJ Saunders, formerly of 1010XL, now with 97.5 FM in Houston. We'll talk Texans. We'll also talk a little NBA as the 9 o'clock hour rolls on on a Wednesday night in Jacksonville, Florida. It's Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The NFL scouting combine going up in Indianapolis. The Jaguars picked 24th. A little bit of a difference from where they've been the last couple of years up there in Indy with the number one pick in the draft. The Franzi Show has been up there all week. Frank Hayes and our next guest, Lauren Brooks. You get her every day on the Franzi Show. You also hear her Tuesday nights on Helmets and Heels. She's always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark. Lauren, how we doing? Hacker, I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. Indianapolis is treating us well so far. The high today, 70 degrees. Wow, there you go. Not as not as cool, maybe, as you would have thought going up there. All right, uh, let's begin with Jalen Carter. That's been kind of the story, right? I mean, what, a, what an odd situation for a top five prospect to have an arrest warrant issued in the middle of the combine. What was that scene like earlier today when that news broke? Right. It's so interesting, Hacker, that that information was not available right when the accident happened, right? Like Galen Carter basically said, no, I, I wasn't there. And then that story has changed. And so for that arrest warrant to come out today when he was scheduled to speak at 1030 was wild. And so the prospects were filing in earlier and going to the podiums. And, you know, we heard from lots of defensive players between the defensive linemen and the linebackers. And then all of a sudden everything stopped. And for about 20 minutes, there's a bunch of media porting around the podiums, but no players were coming to speak. And so that's when we started to look at Twitter and realize that Jalen Carter most likely was not going to be speaking. And they probably took the other prospects back and, and told them the story and explained everything that was happening and asked them not to even discuss the Jalen Carter incident. And so I think from here, it'll be fascinating to watch what happens. Where does he fall to in this process after that information? And obviously, he, I'm sure, was interviewed Monday before this information came out. And so how did he answer those questions? You know, everything, I think, is going to be fascinating to watch and unfold now. You know, and again, it happened a couple hours ago, so it's unbelievably fresh. But the conversations that you're hearing going on up there with folks, I mean, could this potentially affect him in a big way? It's two misdemeanors, right? So, and, and we'll have to see how the legal process plays itself out. He's released a statement saying he had no wrongdoing and they'll be vindicated when all's said and done. It's not like he's being charged with felonies, Lauren, so that matters a little bit. But what has been the reaction from some of the media up there? Well, I think the interesting part is, does a general manager view this as taking, you know, someone who has a black cloud hanging over them because the legal process won't be done? And it, from talking to people around here, it seems like that is going to be something that they're going to have to decide. And it seems like there was some chatter from even before the arrest warrant that maybe he had some character issues. You know, we certainly heard Todd and McShay say that. And I think now people are going to start digging deeper into that. So I think it really does depend on if they've spoken to him and interviewed him to this point. How did those interviews go? Was he honest and transparent about that? Uh, just we were talking to Prisco off air earlier, and 
it's just, it's a sad and scary thing, right? To be racing those vehicles. And I looked up, I had never heard of a Jeep Cherokee Trackhawk before. And that vehicle is at least $90,000. So, you know, then it makes you go, well, I wonder if NILs can be, you know, a good thing when it comes to something like that. You've got these young people now with more money than they've ever had. And so, yeah, it, I think we will see certainly a fall. The question is, how far does he fall? That part, I think, because like you said, it's so new. I don't think anyone's willing to predict yet. Yeah, the crash back on January the 15th, I believe, just a tragic and horrible situation. And now that comes Absolutely. out today that Jalen Carter um, may have been not, I mean, involved in that's kind of a, a broad term. He was there, at least, is what's being said. And being yeah, it seems with, like they were racing that. Yeah, other. I mean, he's getting a reckless driving like. charge. That's one of the misdemeanor yep. charges. So, uh, And that apparently is not what he was telling cops back a month ago. But again, we'll let the legal process right. play out. Jalen Carter has issued a statement saying he will be vindicated of any wrongdoing, and we will have to see how the NFL and the NFL GMs react to this news. Lauren Brooks up in Indianapolis. You know, it was probably weird for some of his Georgia teammates uh, that took the podium, but I heard Nolan Smith. Boy, what an unbelievably impressive young man mm -hmm. that is. If he ended up being a Jacksonville Jaguar, Lauren, I'd be doing backflips. <laughs> he is a really cool young man to listen to. Yeah, he certainly is. Where would you play him, though, Hack? That's a good point. You know what? <laughs> at, at, at this point with the Jaguars, though, Lauren, honestly, it might be best available player. I mean, this roster appears to be really taking shape, and I don't know if they're not in the best available player, you know, category. Yeah, I lean more towards there. There are still a few holes. I think you've got to get to the quarterback, whether that's drafting another edge guy, whether that's drafting a defensive tackle. I'm probably, I probably lean more to the defensive tackle and maybe take some snaps away from Foley Fatakasi at this point. But they've got to, I think, get better at pass rush and then i think the other spot could be corner if they see a nickel corner that they love i don't know that you necessarily take them at 24 but certainly maybe in the second round and so i do think there's there's still some holes there and then obviously we have to wait and see what happens with Juwan taylor could they potentially draft a right tackle or at least a, a backup swing tackle if will or walk a little is your right tackle and so I, there's a lot of questions obviously at that part of things some people wonder about left guard I believe it'll be another battle between Ben Barsh and Tyler Shatley, but that could be another area. So I don't know that it's best uh, player available, but I can certainly see if that happens, then that means you're feeling pretty good about your roster. The quarterbacks have arrived. At least I saw Bryce Young has arrived in Indianapolis. I would assume Anthony Richardson is on site as well. Uh, boy, come, I guess, Saturday night when they work out. That'll be <laughs> something to watch, no question about it. What kind of talk has Anthony Richardson been getting up there leading into this? Oh, my goodness. It is so fascinating that you've got people going. I expect him to go, you know, in the top 10 and the traits and the potential, everything that we've thought would be said around this time, uh, you know, back when his college season ended is being said. And then there's the, the camp of people who watch college football, uh, the Indy Staples of the world, who told us off air, like, I would not, you know, draft him nearly as high as what people are talking about. And so that's the thing. It, I think you've got just the most polarizing figure when it comes to him. And it's funny because... I think if he had come back to Florida, then maybe Will Levis would be that polarizing quarterback uh, because he also didn't have a great season, but he was talked about as, as being drafted super high. And I think, you know, teams that are quarterback needy certainly will take chances on guys like this. But because AR decided to come out, there's just 
so little, you know, to the NFL world known about how he's going to perform on an NFL team. I think you and I both would say, uh, I wouldn't draft him in the first round, right? I would not take him in the top 10. I would probably not take him in the top 20. Now you start getting to, I know the Jaguars wouldn't obviously, but in that 25, 26, 27 range, I would start considering it at that point. Oh, you would. Okay. Yeah. I would not take him in the first round. I would say maybe more like second round Jalen Hurts uh, or after that. Just because I don't know that he's got the wherewithal to be able to read NFL defenses and throw the ball where it needs to be in those tight windows. And so to me, yes, he he's going to fly in that 40-yard dash. He's going to bench press great. All those things are going to be very enticing. But as far as playing the quarterback position, all the things that we love about Trevor Lawrence, I don't know that Anthony Richardson is going to be able to do that at this level. No, that's fair. Look, in the disconnect, you're right. The college guys, the, the media, et cetera, think one way. The NFL draft guys are salivating. And, and right. there's really no middle ground. It's either you believe no. this or that, and there's nobody in the middle. So it's going to be really interesting, quite frankly, to see who's right and who's wrong when it comes to Anthony Richardson. Final moments here with Lauren Brooks. You get her every afternoon on the Frangie Show here on 1010XL. Lauren, you guys did a great job yesterday getting Doug Peterson and Trent Balky. What did you take away from those conversations? Well, truth be told, Hack, uh, Frank did all that work because Hayes and I were stuck in Charlotte for five hours yesterday. Oh, well, there you so go. thankfully, yeah, well, kudos thankfully to Frangie then. Yeah, absolutely. He was able to change his flight. He was able to land at noon, whereas we didn't land till two forty-five. He brought the gear by himself, went and got his credential, which is very far away from where Radio Row is set up. Uh, set up the gear all by himself, and uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Frangie carried the gear, <laughs> set the gear up all by himself. All by himself. Holy and he did tell us, moly. We need to tell the news stations about this. <laughs> he did tell us when we got here. He said, man, I was sweating. That was a lot of work. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, all the credit goes to him uh, for being able to get everything done and, and in order. Well, like I said, Hayes and I were just stuck awaiting. Uh, the problem was our flight was coming from LaGuardia. Our plane was coming from LaGuardia, and they were dealing with all that weather yesterday, all the bad snow stuff. So, the flight we knew was delayed before we ever got on our first flight uh, from Jacksonville to Charlotte. We knew we were going to have a delay. That's how Frank was able to then uh, reroute. And so he went through Washington, D.C., which had no weather delays. And, and like I said, be able to get here. But as far as obviously I listened to both of the interviews with Doug Peterson and Trent Balky, and look, they are two guys that like where they're at. And Obviously, Doug Peterson's been in a situation like that before as far as having a team that he loves, but I don't know that he and the front office got along nearly as well uh, as they do now. And, and Trent Baalke, I mean, look at it. it. He is very close to being able to restructure contracts and extend guys and hopefully re-sign some guys to get to the point where he's got the band back together. And this team was so successful last season, obviously in the latter half of the year, that you have to feel really good about that. And I, I think, this is just my own uh, theory, I think they got together with Trevor Lawrence when the season ended and had stark conversations about who do you want back? Uh, and then, you know, obviously Trent and Doug figured out the price that they'd have to pay for that. But I think absolutely Trevor said, I want Evan Ingram back. And I think he also probably said, I want John Taylor back. And then, like I said, they just have to figure out the money part. But it, it it's an exciting time. That's for dang sure. Lauren, final question, about 30 seconds. We're inside of a week till the franchise tag deadline. Do they get a deal done with Ingram or do they franchise him next Tuesday? I think they get a deal done. But if he is franchise tagged, I think they still rescind that and then get a deal done later down 
the line. I, I think Evan Ingram is going absolutely nowhere. John Taylor's obviously the wild card because if he gets left tackle money, I don't know that he can pass that up to stay in Jacksonville. And as much as I think he wants to, obviously we all know he went to Florida. He's from Coco. He is really close to his family after his dad passed away. There's all the signs pointing to him staying here. But, you know, can he take that type of uh, pay cut, not really pay cut, but if he was offered way more money to be a left tackle, can he settle for less money here? That is certainly a big question, but I certainly hope he's back. And by the way, uh, right now, uh, Kevin O'Connell just walked in, the Vikings head coach, and he's starting to meet with media, and uh, Ron Rivera is making the rounds here at Radio Row as well. So it's always fun to, to see the stars. Very good. Lauren Brooks, you get her every afternoon on the Franzi Show. Lauren, appreciate it. Know you're busy. Great job up there. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Hack. Talk to you soon. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The NBA trade deadline in the rearview mirror, all-star weekend in the rearview mirror, and boy, we only got about 20 games or so left in the regular season before postseason play begins in the association. With that, let's go to my guy RJ Saunders, formerly of 1010XL here in Jacksonville. You hear him now on 97.5 FM in the city of Houston, Texas. RJ, how we doing? Man, good, Hack. Always love coming on the show. How are you? RJ, we're good, man. Thank you for the time. And all right, since the last time you and I talked, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were still Brooklyn Nets. D'Angelo Russell was still a Minnesota Timberwolf. Nobody right. knew who Mac McClung was. And no. the Los Angeles Lakers were just, quite frankly, not very good. A lot has changed. We'll get to all the rest in a moment. Let's begin with the Lakers. Boy, RJ, as a diehard Laker fan, I know you were loving life up until, I guess, Sunday afternoon when LeBron went down with the injury, and now it appears he could miss, well, they're saying multiple weeks. I mean, first things first, what's your reaction to that? He, well, I mean, you know, he said that he he heard a pop and he and he still played in the game, but you could see a noticeable limp uh, after the game. There was some video taken after the game that there was a noticeable limp. Uh, this is a guy who's who's got a lot of miles uh, on his body, and, you know, father time is undefeated. We thought that this guy could, you know, sustain himself for the long haul, but he did play a lot of minutes this season, and I think the worst has probably happened to the Lakers right now. I mean, LeBron's probably going to get all the rest that he can get leading up to maybe the final couple weeks of the season. But this is a really big blow uh, to the L.A. Lakers. And uh, I, I know LeBron has to be um, a little bit ticked off about this. This is at the wrong time, especially a guy that said, I'm going to treat uh, these next few games as the biggest of my career. Uh, yeah, seeing that injury and, and seeing him say he heard a pop and now getting the news that he'll miss a couple of weeks, definitely a huge blow. RJ, can they survive without LeBron James? Can they make the playoffs, even the play-in, without him? I mean, this is why you got Anthony Davis, and this is also, I believe, why you got D'Angelo Russell. I mean, here are two guys that are that are all-star players. Um, I think that they could do just enough um, to get into the playoffs, but I don't think a sixth seed is going to be where they are. I think it's now going to be a play-in. I think now you're going to be – looking at Memphis or you're going to be looking at Denver in the first round. I mean, you know, if Phoenix doesn't make its way up to the one or two seed. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to see this all falls on the shoulders of, of Anthony Davis. Now. I mean, you know, this guy is a, 
guy's an all-star. You gave up the farm to get him. Um, everyone says when healthy, he's one of the five best players in the entire NBA. And I mean, he, he had, uh, at least a conversation for being in the MVP running before he went down with an injury early on in the first half of the season. So this is, this is now the spotlight on Anthony Davis. Show us why we gave up everything to get you and to bring you to LA. And when D'Angelo Russell's able to get back, Hey, show us. You know why uh, we brought you here as well. I mean, I think D'Angelo Russell is going to be fighting for a contract next year, so I think this is a great opportunity for him to show, you know, hey, I I belong back here in L.A. and I think I'm the perfect running mate for Anthony Davis when LeBron James is in on the floor. RJ, final Laker question. We certainly want to move on to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and everything else that's transpired. This is a tricky question. I'm curious because you're a you know, an objective broadcast journalist, certainly, but let's be honest, you're a Laker fan. I've known you for a long time, yeah. and you do yeah. bleed purple and gold. Right. They're probably not going to win the title, the NBA title, with LeBron. I'm not breaking any news there. Right. Do you wonder if they rush him back to try to win a one-playoff series and risk further injury? And I, mean, I don't want to use the term shut him down, and I know LeBron's not going to go for that anyway, but... Do the Lakers have to be careful here that for the better good of the organization, they don't bring him back too early and risk something longer term uh, and that maybe, you know, would it go into next year, anything along those lines? I think LeBron is going to say that he trusts his body. So like you said, I think LeBron's not going to go for it. I think he's going to try to maybe rush himself back. I think for the LA Lakers, because of the moves that they made at the deadline, I think that they're going to, also try to maybe bring him back maybe the final seven to 10 games of the season just to see uh, what he has in the tank. I mean, but if it were me, I, w I, I wouldn't rush him back. I wouldn't be so fast to rush him back. Let the season kind of play out, see what Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, and the rest of the guys are able to do. Um, but I think, I think LeBron James – wants to prove that he can win uh, with this roster is currently constructed. I think he's going to, he's going to try to rush himself back to try to, I guess, galvanize the troops and send some positivity to uh, his fellow Los Angeles Laker teammates. Um, but this is a guy, like I said, he has a lot of miles on his body. And, you know, at first it was, I believe the left foot. And, you know, there were those inside of the organization that said, you know, why are we playing him so many minutes? And now, you know, here here goes one foot. And now I think he's playing a lot of minutes again. And now all of a sudden it's his other foot. And it, it's reminiscent almost to me. I know it's two different injuries. But when Kobe was playing a lot of minutes before he tore his Achilles and, you you know, Gary Vitti was trying to talk Mike D'Antoni off the ledge. Hey, we need to sit him down. Kobe didn't want to sit. D'Antoni wasn't going to let him sit. Boom, there goes the Achilles. This may be happening to LeBron right now. I mean, it may be catching up to him. I think the Lakers didn't think they'd have the start to the season that they did. Now you're playing catch up. Now LeBron's trying to play over 38 to 40 minutes a game. And now you're trying to manage his minutes. But now he's paying for those minutes that he he played early on. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Do they say, hey, we're, we'll bring you back well, once we make the playoffs and the first round of the playoffs start? Or does he say, listen, I need to play the final seven to ten games? It's going to be interesting to see.
RJ Saunders, 97.5 FM in Houston, here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. RJ, quickly, we got to talk about Damian Willard. He's stuck in purgatory up in Portland, Oregon. He's not exactly on national TV every night, but people know Damian Willard. They know Dame time, but I'm not sure, RJ, if they know how good he is. 71 on Sunday night. Actually, the second guy this year to do that, right? Donovan Mitchell of Cleveland did it earlier uh, this year. Boy, how good is Damian Willard? I think Damian Lillard is going to be one of those guys, and you hope that this guy is able to at least get one championship under his belt, and he may have to leave Portland. But here's a guy, he wants to stay loyal to the soil in Portland. He says, hey, look at guys like Dirk Nowitzki. Look at guys like Giannis. They stayed in smaller markets. They were able to win a championship. I don't want to be a part of this movement of being a part of a super team. I think Portland, I think the problem that Portland has is, well, who wants to move to Portland? So um, unless they make a big time trade, which I feel they thought that Jeremy Grant was going to be that big trade after you decide to, uh, you know, let go of CJ McCollum, that this would be a guy that could get and you also bring in a guy like Cam Reddish, who you feel is going to be a consistent shooter. But Damian Lillard is a, going to be a guy, when his career is said and done, he may be the top guy, um, at least in this era, because I know you, you may argue guys like Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, and things like that, but he has to be top three in terms of guys to finish his career without a championship. This is a high-volume scorer. This is one of the small guards in the league as well. I mean, this guy's not 6'8", 6'9", and that may be a blessing for the rest of the league because who knows what damage he could do if he was just a tad bit taller. This is going to go down. He's going to go down as one of the great players in NBA history, and it's just been a joy to watch this guy. I heard uh, when he got drafted, you know, his nickname was D-League Dame um, from Weber State because that's, that's where they thought he was going to be. And Portland took a chance on him, drafting him with the sixth overall pick. And I think he's returned greatly on their investment. Sadly, they haven't been able to put a team around him, except for the team that went to the Western Conference Finals that one year. But he feels that he can win a championship in Portland. Will he? I don't think so. But this is going to be a guy for years to come. Long after his career is over, you're going to have to give it up that Damian Lillard was one of the greats in our game. A couple of more for R.J. Saunders, formerly right here on 1010XL. He's now at 97.5 FM in Houston, Texas. R.J. Kevin Durant. We haven't seen him yet in a Phoenix Sun uniform. That should come sooner uh, rather than later if the injury continues to progress the way it, it looks like it's progressing. But your reaction to not only what Phoenix got in KD, but, boy, they gave up a king's ransom to Brooklyn to get him. They absolutely gave up a king's ransom. And, I mean, this comes off of the heels of the Lakers making their trade, and you think that's going to be the big trade of the day. The Lakers get Vanderbilt, Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell. Russell Westbrook's been let go. What does this mean for the Lakers and and them making a playoff push? And then not too much longer after that, you know, a, a lot of people are waking up in the middle of the night, go to Twitter. Kevin Durant is now a member of the Phoenix Suns, and and you just had to probably scream at the top of your lungs if you're an NBA fan because that was something I did not foresee uh, Kevin Durant doing, but it seems like Kevin Durant has, has wanted to be in Phoenix for, for quite some time. That was a team that you heard 
uh, rumblings about when Kevin Durant wanted to get traded over the summer. A lot of people are talking about this may be Chris Paul's last chance at a championship, but you did give up a lot. You gave up defense in Mikael Bridges. You also gave up some offensive scoring in Cam Johnson, um, who was a who was a great guy and had a great finals himself when Phoenix was in the finals against Milwaukee. They have the most dominant four in the NBA right now, and I wonder what DeAndre Ayton is going to be for Phoenix. You know, there's been some problems there, but Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, that is a four I don't think that anybody wants to see. I don't even know if Denver wants to see that. I I don't even know if Memphis wants to see that with them being, you know, the top two seeds. Um, This is going to be a great team. It's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, And they're also going to be a scary team as well. If they don't win the championship this year, they're definitely going to be in the mix for next year. We'll definitely uh, have to see what, what, what Kevin Durant is able to bring to the table. As you brought up, he's been going through injury, but, but this is a team Man, Hag, if if this team were, were were put together at the beginning of the season, this team may have had the best record in the NBA right now, and it probably wouldn't even be close. This is this is going to be a powerhouse team that has a small window because Kevin Durant getting older, and as well as Chris Paul getting older. But once we get to the playoffs, you have four guys that have had playoff experience, and all four have now had NBA Finals experience i don't know the western conference it's it's the wild wild west for a reason but but phoenix is now that team that is a sleeping giant and when they get kevin durant out there he may have a message for the rest of the league yeah i'll be anxious to see what happens when he's healthy and ready to go for phoenix this upcoming uh hopefully in the next couple of weeks is at least what's being reported. A couple of more for R.J. Saunders, 97.5 out in Houston. R.J., it's a small sample size, but your opinion on what Kyrie Irving and Luka have looked like in Dallas so far? I think Kyrie Irving is trying to defer to Luka just a little bit. I think Kyrie has just a small piece in him that wants to show, hey, I know that I'm one of the you know, the top five, maybe isolation scores in the league. And, you know, I have a top five handle and, and all this other stuff, but this is, this is Lucas team. And, and this is, uh, you know, I'm going to defer to him. I'm going to follow behind him, but in doing so you're seeing that Kyrie is making some bad decisions late in games. And you also see Luka Doncic on the other side, that's trying to possibly say, Hey, Kyrie, do what you do best. This is what we brought you to Dallas for and now it's it's hot potato it's your turn my turn and Jason Kidd after the game against the Lakers on Sunday was saying that hey you know we have to mature we have to grow up I'm not out there playing the games these are these are the guys that are playing the games we have we have to mature it's going to take time I mean but they're one in three so far with this Luca and Kyrie pairing Um, I think that it's going to work out I think that they'll figure it out I mean we have 20 some odd games to go they'll be able to catch that rhythm. Are they a team that's going to make the Western Conference Finals? I don't know. Um, but Kyrie seems to be doing a great job in the first three quarters. But I think that final quarter, he wants to defer to Luka um, so that he's not being looked at maybe as as selfish or that he's trying to take over the Mavericks. But until he figures out that he needs to do what – the NBA has paid him to do many teams have paid him to do. And what many people watch 
you know, Kyrie Irving to do and what they want to see him do when he plays, he's just going to have to now just just take a deep breath. He's going to have to shake off all the jitters. He's in Dallas. He's no longer in Brooklyn. The question should be stopping about his time in Brooklyn. And maybe he'll get a few more questions about does he want to team up with LeBron next year. But right now you're in Dallas. And Dallas wants to make a big push. This was a this was a team. If the, he didn't have a second all-star, you know, playing behind him and, you know, the, he felt that they messed up that Jalen Brunson um, acquisition by letting him go to the New York Knicks. So Kyrie is, you know, the 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 great antidote for losing out on Jalen Brunson. But now he has to do his thing. And once he's able to do that, I think I think you'll have a very good team in Dallas. RJ, final question. We got about 90 seconds left. Let's flip to the NFL. It is combine week. You work out in Houston, Texas. They have the number two pick in the draft. The last time we talked, we know it's quarterback. We were certainly focusing on Bryce Young. Now all the rumors coming out that Chicago is leaning towards trading the number one pick. From your vantage point, people you've talked to out there, do you believe Houston is in play to move up from two to one? Or could that potentially be an Indianapolis or somebody trying to get ahead of them to take Bryce Young away from the Texans? There are there are those who believe that if you lose out on Bryce Young, CJ Stroud is not is not a bad consolation prize. Um, but Bryce Young seems to be the guy that everybody wants. And does does Houston want to give up from from what you hear? Uh, do they want to give up, you know, two second round picks and and their and their second overall pick in order to acquire Bryce Young and get to that number one overall selection? Is is Chicago just bluffing here? And does Chicago want to use the number one pick to to get a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson? So as time goes on, I, I think that the smoke will clear and we'll see what Chicago's really looking to do. But it seems like Bryce Young is the guy that everybody wants. Um, even though you hear, you know, CJ Stroud or you hear if, you know, and maybe get a quarterback at number 12, maybe Anthony Richardson or someone like that, although there are those that would not uh, be Florida. Um, it just seems like it's Bryce Young or bust for this team. And, you know, um, this would be the quarterback of the future get some talent, get some weapons around him. You're hearing from a lot of ESPN pundits um, that are comparing him to Steph Curry. Think he's going to be the Steph Curry of the NFL. They they believe that much in this guy. You hear guys like Mel Kuyper and uh, Daniel Jeremiah just believes highly in him as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Texans do. Do they eventually fold and, and give up uh, the necessary pieces to get that number one selection? We'll see. But if they don't get Bryce Young, I don't think C.J. Stroud is a bad second option, but Bryce Young seems to be that shiny toy that everybody wants, especially the Texans. R.J. Saunders, 97.5 FM out in Houston. R.J., appreciate the time. As always, my friend, thank you. We'll do it again soon. Love you guys. Anytime you want me on, you know you know, I got you, Hack. And thank you to my friend R.J. Saunders, 97.5 FM out in Houston for joining us tonight. Here on Hacker After Dark, the NBA in full swing. I got to tell you, as a diehard, just passionate Orlando Magic fan, eh, season's not going great. Had a lot of injuries at the beginning of the year. But if you haven't checked out Paulo Bancaro, 
You need to watch him over the last 20 games. He is a stud in Orlando, and he might be the next big thing down there. I'm not sure if he's going to be Shaq or Dwight Howard or Tracy McGrady, although 60 games in, I'm not sure he's not going to be those guys either. He has been very, very good. And we'll see what happens with the Lakers, the injury to LeBron. RJ and I talked about that there at the beginning of our conversation. Certainly that changes the whole complexion of the Lakers season here down the stretch. Well, that'll just about do it for what has been a very busy Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us as always. We got a lot of people to thank. Again, RJ Saunders, formally right here at 1010XL, now in 97.5 FM in Houston, Texas. Thank you to Lauren Brooks of the Frangie Show, who joined us live from the Combine. Also, thank you to Hayes Carline of the Frangie Show, who joined us live from the Combine. We certainly appreciate both of their perspectives. And I want to thank my friend Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com, one of their main NFL writers. He was also up in Indianapolis. He's the guy that made a lot of news at the end of last week when he had the Colts trading up to number one to draft Anthony Richardson. And I really enjoyed Chris' perspective on that, really enjoyed that conversation. And again, thank you to Chris Trapasso of CBSSports.com. We will be back tomorrow night, and we'll do it all over again. Dylan Denmark was your producer this evening. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green in Jacksonville. Thank you for spending part of your Wednesday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Wednesday evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow night on a Thursday, beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.